Hey guys, this is Carter and Mo. This is episode number 180 on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. I'm full of piss and vinegar today, and Mo's got a great quote for you. You can't call somebody's BS if you don't know it's BS. So listen up, this one's a good one. Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the jiu-jitsu of life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. So, as all exciting stories start off, it starts off with me in Lubbock, because that's really the hallmark of a good story, is going to Lubbock. <laughs> uh, man, you know, because I hadn't been there since July, something like that, and I had a couple of I think good revelations on my part. Um, the first one is I need to get out of residential real estate almost completely because I've been renting this. I have one Airbnb. The other one's like a furnished rental. Mm -hmm. uh, it was an Airbnb and then we found somebody who wanted to stay there for a couple months. A couple months turned into like over a year. But that's a good thing, right? Kind of. Uh, right. Apparently this guy had a, um, how would Coco put this? Uh, this guy had tushy problems. So he used a lot of uh, butt wipes, which he flushed down the toilet, which caused the drain line to plug up over and over again. Uh, and apparently this guy had cats that preferred to urinate inside instead of outside all over the carpets. So whatever. And I'm like, finally, I'm like, we got to tear these things out and put in blank. I mean, like, there's no way because I stayed there that night and I'm like, I'm not that sensitive to that kind of stuff, but it's like, it's clear that cats have peed in here a lot. Um, and I'm like, man, I'm tired of dealing with this. And I'm tired of like, you know, going to Lubbock, it takes over six hours to get there. Uh, as soon as I was leaving, I was about an hour away from there. I got a speeding ticket at 630 in the morning. No, from like one of those, Yeah. And it was like one of those things, you know, in Texas where it's like, it's 70 miles an hour and then it goes down to 55 and 40, you get into a small town. So it was like right after the 70 and the, into the 55, and the guy's like, you're doing 74 and 55. And I'm like, okay, it's a construction zone too. There's workers. I'm like, at 6.30 in the morning, there's people working. Uh-huh, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't see anybody, but apparently they're working. Um, so yeah, it was just sort of like one of these things where I'm like, I gotta get out of this because I realized how much progress I've been able to make in the temple area because I go there four or five days a week. I go there pretty much every week. I was there this morning. I was there yesterday. I was there uh, Monday and I'll go there tomorrow. And, and by doing that all the time and by, by sort of being consistent in doing that, you start really learning an area in much more detailed way. Like you'll notice like, okay, they're putting scaffolding up on this, this hotel that they're renovating. And it's like, you know, first day, it's like they did half the scaffolding, came back the next day, okay, this is done. Okay, now they're doing this. You can keep track of everything that's happening. And for a an investor, really anybody in any business, kind of keeping your, your sort of, uh, you know, finger on the pulse is really important. And I think from a real estate point of view, I, I really don't think you can do that in multiple places at once, not, not as effectively. And I just realized I'm like the reason, like I, I don't care how good of a market something is, if you're only willing to go there a few times a year, which has been me, I've gone there probably three times in the last year plus, then it's not worth investing in because now you're relying on 
a bunch of other people. You're relying on a bunch of other stuff. And like you and I were just talking about before we started recording, um, knowing who you are, whether this is on the map, whether this is learning in school or whether this is investing, you have to kind of know what you are. And for me, I need to feel the place. I need to get a feeling of like, do I feel like the city is invested? Feel like the city is invested in business? Do I feel like businesses are moving here? Does it seem like what is the attitude of people that you're meeting, especially people you meet that are from the town? Do they feel optimistic? Have they what have they seen change? Like all these different things, a lot of it kind of comes down to a feeling. After like when you get a good feeling about a place, to me it's important to listen to that and act upon that. And, you know, we were talking, there's some people that are just numbers people. And in real estate, you know, numbers tell part of the story, but they don't tell all the story. And I think that's why a lot of out-of-state people, you can do well, but I don't think you'll ever do as well as you can do if you're more finger to the pulse. Because the numbers are going to tell you some of the story, but they're not going to tell you everything. And there's so many little nuances and, and you know, most people are going to know that, okay, in your own neighborhood, there might be areas where it's like, ah, you know, it's just not a great little stretch for whatever reason. And then there's something that may be, you know, a quarter mile away, half mile away, where it's like, man, this is really nice. But if you're just looking at this from out of state, you're just going to see the numbers and be like, well, this is this and this is this and that's all there is to it. And it's you're always going to lose something to that. Um, so I, it, it was kind of nice to just except that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to narrow my focus. I'm going to get rid of all my East Texas stuff too. Um, and then the other thing I was thinking about, which I was telling you about is that it's time to get some respect. It's time to get some respect. They got, they, we got guns. Yeah. Well, you, you know what? Yes, <laughs> that exactly that. And, and what I mean by that, and we're talking about uh, Godfather part two, possibly the best movie ever made. I think it might be. I think it's safe to say that it is. For me, it is. Um, there's that moment where Vito Corleone is talking to the other two guys, and he's that's what he says. You know, he's got guns, we've got guns. And what that's always meant to me is that there comes to be a certain time in your life where why can't you be the one taking the lead? Why can't you be the man? Why aren't you the man? And I, I started thinking about that with a lot of the stuff I'm working on because I'm getting a lot of bullshit from a lot of these contractors. And I don't know if they know that I know that it's bullshit because I'm hearing a lot of things of, oh, so hard to find good workers right now. We're so busy right now. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, because I'm watching these guys who drove by the site today. They're doing all this work. They're leveling stuff out because we're, we're putting in the rebar to put in the sidewalk. That literally could have been done like three or four months ago. And all I hear is, oh, we're so busy. No, because to me, what's that saying is that you're not important because we're busy doing the work for people who are important. And so in my mind, it's like, it's time to become important. It's time to become the person where, oh, Mr. Fisk, you're first on our list and I'm going to be first on that list. And it annoys me when I hear these things because I'm like, no, you're busy working for somebody else right now. And this is not when I say these things and it's not to like 
I don't even know what these numbers mean in terms of the overall scope of stuff. But for me, when I'm spending almost a quarter of a million dollars on one subcontractor on a job, about a $220,000 job, I feel like that's a lot of money. I mean, that's more than twice wow. the first house I ever bought. I mean, I know for Robles, that's probably like <laughs> this week. It's relative. It's you're, relative. You're like, this is, this is like this week's, I mean, and the week's not even over. We've it's my grocery been, bill. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> for me, it's a lot of money. And I'm like, if this is, if they're treating me like I'm some fanboy trying to get an autograph, which is what it feels like, or like I'm bothering them. I'm bothering them. They they can't return my calls because I'm too much of a pain in the ass. At a certain point, go ahead. Can I say something on that? Yeah, I want. Okay, so um, first of all, I want to circle back on the. You got to keep your finger to the pulse. Yes. Really quick, some people are going to make the argument that well, no, I know a lot of people that invest successfully in yeah. other states. Yeah. And Here is my counter argument to that. It's not the same as what you are doing because you are really a one-man show for the most part. Yeah. The people that are investing in other states and doing yeah. so successfully, the ones that I've talked to, they have project managers that yeah. actually live in the state. So they have a team that can keep them up to date on what city council is doing, yeah. what the mayor is doing, what politics is going on, what's the overall vibe. Um, what's the future of development looking like for that particular city? So yeah. you have a team of people out there keeping you up to date. If you're doing it by yourself, you're 100% right. There's too many little nuances that yeah. the numbers alone are not going to tell you. It's the same as someone who is a trader in stocks, and all of their investments are based off technical analysis. Yeah. Technical analysis is not going to tell you what a huge well or institution is doing behind the scenes to yeah. manipulate the market, right? You have to take that, your approach has to be more of a holistic one and you gotta yeah. have your your um, finger to the pulse on that. Yeah, and I mean, I think to follow up with that, um, regardless of whether you have a team, because it's like I've done that exact thing, thing of having like a team of people, um, you know, I had one guy that would look at stuff, another guy that would negotiate stuff, like when I was, because in Texas it's big enough that you can still be in Texas and basically be out of state. I mean, Lubbock is six hours yeah. away from Austin. Uh, when I was doing stuff in Tyler, that's four hours away. So to me, it's like if it's more than an hour away, it might as well be out of state. I mean, like, you know, at that, at that point you're talking, it's kind of the same thing. And if you lived on the East Coast or whatever, it literally you could go from state to state in a couple hours. So you still have to have, and I had that, I had guy, you know, I had different sort of teams in East Texas, West Texas, Canyon Lake, all that stuff. Um, and you certainly can do all that. I mean, you know, you can certainly make that happen. And I did that where I bought and sold probably, I don't know, 25 or 30 houses that I never, literally never even saw in person. Um, so there's, there's definitely something, you know, something to be said for that. But I think to progress to the next level, which is what I'm doing, um, you have to be more tied in with the local and and that can still be from afar, but it's a different quality of stuff. So when, you know, and what I mean by that is that um, I just made an offer on a uh, an office building um, just like an hour ago, and I found out about this deal because it's a broker that I'm using to lease out the warehouse who I bought that property and another property from uh, that I'm going to lease out another warehouse from or have him lease that out as well. Um, 
you know, he's friends with the owner, the owner's friends with the broker that I use to find deals. So it's it's already sort of intertwined. I've already closed two deals with one broker. Um, it's enough of a relationship that I'm finding out about deals before they actually go on the market. Uh, now, I'm not the first guy they're probably calling. Probably. For the new, that's called, what would that be called, a pocket listing? Yeah, I guess you call it a pocket listing, um, you know, VIP listing, me being the VIP or something like that. I mean, like, but it's like, but that's what I want. And to me, that either, that takes more finesse in terms of building up that relationship and those relationships. And um, that's what I'm, my goal is more and more is to, I mean, if I can get this deal at what I want to get it at, it's a damn good deal. Um, and the guy who's basically, it's a, it's a pain clinic, like a, he's a doctor. I know the pain clinic is usually probably code for something, so who knows, but it's a guy who owns several of them. He is a doctor and he's also like a really impressive entrepreneur. He's got these, he's got a bunch of um, some sort of restaurant chains that he owns and a bunch of other things. So to me, now it's a, it's an ability to, uh, an opportunity to develop a relationship and a business relationship with him yeah. as well. To me, which is going to open up bigger and bigger doors. Because I started thinking about it and I started thinking about numbers and I'm like, you know, my goal end of next year is to have 5 million in commercial real estate. And then I started thinking, I'm like, well, if I can get five, I can get 10. If I can get 10, I can get 20. And if I can get 20, why can't I get 100? You know, I mean, I started thinking about that and it was no longer like a just like, it doesn't matter or whatever. I'm like, maybe it does matter. Because I'll tell you what, if I got $20 million worth of property in that place, you're damn right these guys are going to do my fucking job first. I'll tell you that much. So, and I just, there was just something about, I just, I don't know if it was like, you know, I don't know if I'm just, this is my midlife crisis or whatever, but I'm like, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of yeah. being like, I'm spending too much money. I'm spending too much time. Like anything that they need from me, they would get immediately. They get paid the second I get the bill, they get all this stuff and they tell me they're going to be here. And a week goes by and they're not here. And another week goes by and they're not there. And I'm like, you're not not working. You're just not working for me, which means you will never work for me again. But you're going to finish this damn job. And then I'm going to do everything I can to cloud anyone's enthusiasm. They could be just not not working, though. That could be true. Pretty soon they won't be working at all. If, uh, <laughs> if I have my work. Pretty right. soon that will be the reality. They will not well, not work. And it's just it's just. Man, I don't know. It's been interesting. I, just to... I mean, here's what here's what I, here's my opinion of uh, of that is I think that we've always talked about that. Now, whether you're talking about, you know, low level mobile home flipping or doing, you know, a multimillion dollar project. Man, some con subcontractors are a different breed yeah. of people. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about that. It's not necessarily so. A lot of people that think the solution is going to be pay more money. There's a caveat to that. Yes, right. I would say pay more money, but pay more money on better quality people. That's the thing. Don't give yes. the same trashy subcontractor yes. who's unprofessional more money. Yes, more I agree. money is not what's going to motivate that person. He, they have the personality where they're just unprofessional. It doesn't matter how much money you're going to throw at them. Yeah. They're never going to change the way they operate. Yes. So first and foremost, find someone who's reputable, higher quality, and then yep. pay them more money. I that agree. usually will be the first step in the right direction. You are right. And, and everybody from, you know, Jim Rome to Scott Adams, all, all different people I listen to always say that the idea of 
people are who they are. If someone was a liar yesterday, they're going to be a liar today. If somebody is sort of just gives you bad customer service or is not a problem solver, that's just who they are. So you're almost foolish by thinking you can buy your way out of that problem. I mean, you can, 100%. but you have to buy your way out of it by hiring somebody else. And yes. that's what I realized with this project. I'm like, okay, especially because mistakes were made that cost me $150,000 extra out of my own pocket. I'm just throwing all the information out here today. I don't care. Um, a lot of people don't have an extra 150 grand. I'm lucky because I do, and I made sure that I did before I start something like this. But, but let's I, take let's, one quick one. Yeah. I just want to take a step back there because a lot of people that want to jump right into commercial uh, development, they yeah. would not have had that 150K. Yeah. In other words, they would have budgeted exactly for yeah. what they were estimated. Yeah. Yeah. Not knowing that it's d way different than a mobile home or a single family home. If I if I, if my numbers are wrong on a mobile home or a single family home, it might be a few thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. When you're talking a commercial property, it it's could be millions. Like, yeah. It, yes. Yeah. And if you don't have that set aside, so let me ask you this: If you didn't have the 150k, what would have happened? Um, I would probably have to either try and renegotiate with the bank. That'd be my first step. Um, if the bank was adamant and said no, I would probably have to try and uh, get a hard money lender to take a second mortgage on the property at a very high interest rate, probably 10, 12% at least. Um, it would be a bad situation. It would be disastrous for the yes. new investor that didn't have that money set aside. Yeah, there's no way I would recommend anybody start off doing this. There's no way. Like mentally, to have the patience to take well over a year, it's going to be a year and a half when it's all said and done to deal on one deal. Um, there's just no way. And then and the like capital said, and yeah, the capital. That's why I think everyone should start with, I think everyone should start with mobile homes because you have the very least amount to lose. Uh, you get your feet wet. You learn all the fundamentals you need for any type of flip and every type of real estate investment at least is a flip. I don't care what anybody says because people look down on flipping like when I started hanging out with apartment people were like, oh, house flippers. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? Well, we're buying this apartment and we're, you know, putting in nicer flooring and doing all this and that. And then we're going to, um, you know, get up the rents and that's going to up the uh, net operating income and that's going to make it more valuable. And we're going to do that and we're going to resell it. I'm like, oh, so you're flipping the apartment. <laughs> well, no, no, we're holding it. It's an investment. I'm like, oh, so you're holding on to it. Oh, yeah, we're holding on to it for at least two years. I'm like, so okay, it's, a, it's a long term flip. It's yeah, a long term flip. That's all it is. So it's like that's all real estate investing. You're always trying to buy something, add value to it and either resell it or refinance it and then just keep holding on to it or you or you sell it at that point. I mean, but it, that's that's the name of the game. Why not learn it with the cheapest thing possible where, 100%. you know, if you buy a five thousand dollar mobile home, like you said, and if you're off by 20 percent, that's a thousand bucks. It's like, OK, like that's not going to break most people. But if you're off at 20 percent on a million dollar property, that's 200,000 bucks. I mean, like it adds up quickly, 10 million is 2 million. I mean, like, so the numbers can get scary very quickly. So yeah, I would, I, I, I don't see how anybody could start off doing this. I've been doing real estate for almost 16 years and I'm, I think I'm ready for this, but it's, it's, uh, it's a lot more difficult. Uh, but I, you know, with all this to me, it was all an interesting test of the character of different people that I had involved because everybody was passing the buck like you know in terms of there being a lot of limestone in the lot and the civil engineer guys like well you know 
the people who actually drilled down, they didn't give a very clear report. And I look at the report, it's like limestone, two feet down to 20 feet down, here, 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 and here. I'm like, seems pretty clear to me. And then I talked to the builder guy. Well, the civil engineer guy told me there was nothing to worry about. And I said, like, everyone's, there was nobody. If one person had just said, you know what? I must have missed this. I'm really sorry. Um, I'd love to make it up for you on the next job. I'd hire that person forever. But the fact that literally everybody passed the buck, no, I'll never work with any of them again. Nobody took no, accountability. They're yeah. all done. They're all done. And it's like, so to me, it's like a weird thing. And that is a huge sign of character. It is. And we talked about this, a fundamental in business. And I would say it's the number one fundamental yeah. is reputation and integrity, yeah. right? People don't do business with who's best. They do people with, they do business with people whom they trust. Absolutely. And that is the number one. That's why we started a local paint company. Yeah. Because I said, that's a slam dunk. Like the main thing with subcontractors that people complain over and over is they don't show up on time. They never do exactly what they say they're going to do. They yep. don't have a reputation for being people that you can trust. And that's yep. who people want to do repeat business with. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's amazingly it's simple. It's not rocket science. Like it's business really isn't. Is just be, put the customer first. That's it. Yeah. And do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And that never changes. And it's so interesting to hear people talk about all these new strategies of this and marketing and da, 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 and all these, this sort of gobbledygook that I don't think means anything that they try and make intentionally com complex so that people don't know what they're talking about versus like you just said, you show up on time, you do what you say you're going to do. If you make mistakes, you own up to those mistakes. If you can do those three things, you'll work forever. And and again, I know that I'm not Mr. Big Shot or whatever, but it's like, I'm not doing nothing right now. And the idea that like, you know, I'm potentially giving these people over the course of the next few years, millions of dollars worth of work, and they're just kind of shrugging their shoulders at that. It's like, okay, well, there's gonna be somebody out there who's not shrugging their shoulders at, I'm gonna find that person. And then that person and I are gonna build up a team and we're gonna keep working and keep doing bigger and bigger things. But you know, to me, if somebody right from the get-go just passes the buck and does all this, I'm like, it's so That's short. Really a big one for the subcontractor, Carter, for me, is that they're day-by-day -day people. They rarely see the big picture yeah. Yeah. or think about the future. Because I've had that conversation with some other people. I'm like, look, this is where we're going to start. Yeah. But the potential to earn so much more is there yes. if we grow and we build a relationship together. Yes. And they, they always kind of do the same thing. Like, yeah, 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 that sounds really great. And yeah. Within 30 days, the, the, the relationship has been dissolved yeah. because they they cannot do what they say they're going to do. Yeah. They live for today, right? They, yeah. they, they are the type of person that they rather make $500 today or $1,000 a day or $10,000 a day rather than a million dollars over the course of five, 10 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing because you're right. They, they completely cut off their ability to do well in the long term because the fact that they don't own up to things, the fact that they're they're so short-sighted in the way they're th seeing things. And and that has sort of this self-perpetuating cycle too, because the more you, and you deal with this a lot if you deal with construction, when you deal with these sort of fly-by-night guys in painting or carpentry or whatever it is, they have to do everything where it's like they fool somebody once because they can't fool them twice for the most part. So they have to fool them once, then move on to the next customer, the next. And it's like, in their mind, it's like, oh, you know, ha ha, I got all this money. Because I've had guys, 
you know, that I paid money to to do jobs that that ripped me off. And one guy, uh, Hugo, Hugo's Homes in uh, the Cedar Creek Lake area. That dude still owes me ten grand. Hugo, there's my money. And uh, you know, <laughs> what? Okay, so fool me once. It's like, am I ever gonna hire this guy? No, I'm blasting him as much as I can online. I've done everything I can. Um, you know, that's that's as much as I can do. But sure as hell, I'm not gonna use him again. Um, that's why Hugo's going to be broke forever. That's why that guy can't pay me the money he owes me, even though he told me three years ago he's going to start paying me that money back. Because yep. he's that kind of guy who's going to rip off this person and this person. And this but it's person. never Hugo's fault. Of course not. It's, according to Hugo, he is where he is in life because of the because of outside circumstances. Yep. Yep. Nothing. It, it, he never looks within. He never looks yeah. at himself in the, in the mirror. Now, let me ask you this though: Would you agree that? most times, nine times out of 10, you get what you pay for? Yes. Yes. So with that being said, when someone is looking for, they're interested in jujitsu, you get what you pay for. Some, a a lot of people, they do, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll price shop and they'll look for the cheapest jujitsu school. Do you think it it, it applies to jujitsu schools that you get what you pay for? It probably does. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the reality, it's see, I know it's changed too because it used to be, it used to actually be more expensive because there was more schools, or there were fewer schools. So I feel like they're mostly around the same price now. But but yeah, it's one of those things that if you're looking for not just jujitsu, but you know, place to live or a gym to work out in or whatever it might be, and your only thing is cost, you're kind of insulting everybody around. You're insulting the instructor by saying like. You're the cheapest thing I could find, so that's why I'm finding you. Or you're insulting your own health by being like, this gym is the cheapest gym I could find, so therefore it's the one I'll use. Um, there are ways to save money. And, and you know, there's smart ways to save money in terms of you should cook for yourself. You should not drink alcohol. If you do drink alcohol, drink it at home. Don't go out. You know, Don't go out to bars. Don't go out to clubs. Don't take stupid trips that amount to nothing. I mean, like, there's so many different ways that I see people blow Prioritize. money all the time. Prioritize. But when it comes to things that are important, you know, health and jujitsu and stuff like that, um, yeah, for the most part, you get what you pay for. I mean, I guess every once in a while you can get lucky. But, you know, back in the day, it used to drive me nuts when they would talk about how much so-and-so's private instruction, you know, private lessons were. And, and people would always literally on the Internet bitching and moaning, saying, well, it shouldn't he shouldn't charge 500 bucks. He should only charge 100 bucks because so-and-so only charges 150 and he's way, way better than the guy who charges 500. So therefore, by the law of fairness, he should only charge like these stupid logic things or, or whatever these are, where it's number one, wh- why am I reading this? But number two, why are these guys arguing about this on the internet? And three, what does should charge mean? What, what does that mean? That's, a, that's like peasant thinking. That's small-minded thinking. Can I want to say something to that like a little, because I feel like, Today we've been speaking a lot to the new, the new business guy, the new investor. Yeah. Um, and I, this is something that I'll say from a business angle. Whenever you encounter a client, and one of the first things they attempt doing with you is negotiating price. Yeah. Fire Done. the client. Done. Agreed. Agreed. That I, doesn't. I, I, now let me tell you how I handle the situation because I think that what I don't want these business owners to do is ruin their reputation by having this altercation with the client that's not going to be a good fit for them. Yeah. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to be able to solve a lot of the client's problems, but you're just not going to be the one that directly does it. I'll give you an example. If 
let's say in the painting business, somebody was like, hey, I want your company to paint my house. And we begin to talk. And one of the first things out of their mouth is like, look, I want you to do it for almost free. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like, hey, I'm either too booked or I'm going to outprice them, but I'm still going to look to try to solve some of the problems. So I'm going to be like, hey, go ahead and call. And, you know, someone will be here to help you to discuss colors and sheens. We won't charge anything for that. If you want to know if you're being charged a fair price by another subcontractor, send me the contract. We'll look at it. If it's a smoking deal, I'll tell you. If it's not, I'll tell you, you probably need to shop around. And we may not do business together, but my reputation stays intact as a person that is known as a problem solver. That is what you do in business. Whenever you hire someone. Like, for instance, if I was going to hire someone, I'm going to be I mean, one of the first questions would be like, what do we do at this business? Do we a paint houses or do we b solve problems? And I'm hoping the person that I'm going to hire is going to choose b solve problems. Yes. Whatever business you're in, when a client calls you, you're in the ghee business, you're in the real estate business, you're in the painting business, you're in the technology business. Yeah. They're calling because they have a problem and they're looking for someone to solve it. And yeah. if you can be that individual that is known to solve problems. Yeah. People will pay you what you are worth. Absolutely. And if they don't, look for the ones that will. Absolutely. I, and, and I can just say from experience, I mean, if I had somebody who was solving the problems that I'm literally having to spend all day, every day worrying about, I would pay them handsomely because it really is technically not my job what I'm doing. It's technically the job of a guy that I am paying to do all this stuff and he's not doing it. So, you know, I'm having to call, email, do whatever, just to get people to go do the job that they're supposed to be doing. Uh, If I could find somebody who could do that with the vicious intensity that I need, I would pay them well. (laughs) Because, because, you know, again, it's not that I don't, like I'm above doing it or whatever. It's just one of those things that at a certain point, you have to ask yourself, is your job to do to make sure all the little things are being done all the way and blah 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 or is your job to expand the business or find new opportunities or build up but it's not even that carter you've already said it you are paying someone already to do this job yeah there's that too (laughs) there's that too yeah so it's it's just um i don't know i'm just like i'm not taking this anymore i'm finding the right people and having them do the job that i'm paying them for and i'm not going to be in the situation of having to look over their shoulder every minute. I'm going to find the right people so that I don't have to. And I mean, I agree. You you may have to pay more for those people. It takes longer to, fi- I think it takes longer to find them too, because in any business, in many ways, you have to kind of start off making the mistakes so that you know what mistakes not to make. And you start learning. I mean, you've learned this just by starting the painting company recently. I mean, you didn't know a lot about painting before that. Sure. So, you know, zero. So it's like, so you learn, okay, here's the questions people have over and over again. Here's the answers to those questions. Here's what I do when I don't know the answer. So now when I need to, you know, at the time when I need to hire more painters, I can ask them those questions that I already know the answer to and see what their answer is, because now I know the answer. Now you're being like a good trial lawyer where you're asking questions where you already know what the answer is. I mean, like you're, you're kind of going about that in a good way. So your ability to hire as you gain experience, gets better and better because now you, you start speaking the language. And that becomes important because once you kind of know what the answer is, now you can play dumb more and more and learn more. At first, you're just dumb. 
You know, first you just don't know these things. You're not playing dumb. You just no, don't. I'm not playing you dumb. Truly, I'm, do not know. I am genuine <laughs> dumb, uh, which you know is probably true. But you know, as time goes on, it's like now you can start playing dumb a little bit more and more and learn more. You learn more about the person because you can see somebody's character. If they think you don't know stuff, well, there's some people that are like, I'm gonna make a little extra money off this dude by doing whatever. Versus other people are just gonna give you the straightforward, you know, honest answer. So this is, you know, this experience allows you to sort of um, audition people. Hundred percent. You can't call BS if you don't know it's BS. Yes. There you go. Man, that's a good title. That's a good title. Right there. I like <laughs> Boom. That. This yeah. episode is in the books. So that's a mic drop right there. Yes, it is. To check out this episode or our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Also, check us out on Apple iTunes. Like, review, subscribe. Also, shout out to Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. Nobody can be you better than you. Be authentic. Robles, we make custom geese. Yellow Pine Investments makes custom warehouses. Check them out. Check out check out our boy, Caleb Callista. Sneaky submissions. Check out Steve Hordensky, jiu-jitsu on the go. And check out Chaparral Moving. They have moving down to a science if you're in the Austin area. As always, I'm Mo. That's Carter. And we wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Robles newsletter to get the exclusive content at robles.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat. <laughs>